Welcome to Ground Zero, the clash of punk rock and politics. You are about to enter the Remzo Republic. Ladies and gentlemen, I have returned. Season two is here. Welcome once again, all newcomers, all old comers. Is old comers a word? I don't know. We make up words here. If you already knew that, great. If not, welcome. I'm your host, as always, Remso W. Martinez, and you're listening to the one, the only, Remso Republic. Thank you so much for joining in. I wanted this to be an easy episode so that newcomers and people that are just tuning in for the very first time can kind of catch on with everything. But at the same time, I also want to let you know that we are pushing forward constantly. Last season's theme was all about the election, just getting through the election and everything else. And thank God that hailstorm is just past us. We can move on. If you're like me here in Virginia, you've got to worry about the governor's race and the state senate race coming up in about six months. But for the rest of the country, let's just kind of take things down a notch. If you've been following us on social media, you know we've got kind of a retro theme going on for season two. We're trying to get back to basics. The basics are this. This is a generation of people that everyone's trying to define. It's the millennials. It's everyone who they're trying to just really get down. They want to nail a definition in on this. But millennials, they're random. No one knows how to define them. Everything's just kind of out there. Are they more socialist? Are they more libertarian? Are they one way or another? I don't know. But what I do know is this. There's such a large portion of you out there that want to get involved in activism. When I started this program, it was all about empowering people with the connections and the opportunities out there to hopefully empower some of you to go do amazing things. Some of you have already contacted me and let me know how the show's impacted you, whether or not you might run for office or you're going to start your own show, which would make you copy me. But then again, some people say I copied our guest today. He's the inspiration for the show. He's the original Lion of Liberty, ladies and gentlemen, Mark Clare. Mark, how are you doing? Remzo, I'm doing great, and uh, as you know, I always am. I'm ready to roar. I'm ready to roar about liberty with you. Hell yeah! Rawr. All right, man. That was actually a weak one. I feel like I was just choking on a, a hairball there, but you know, the spirit's well, there. Let's slide. The intention was the intention was good. You know, you, you got you millennials. You guys are the ones with with the strong, you know, the the strong lungs. My old and decrepit lungs just don't don't have that roaring ability that they used to back how, in the how day. How are we supposed to cry for our welfare checks and free college if we can't, you know, be heard? Yeah, it's one thing or another. Speaking of which, Mark, this is awesome because for those of you that listen to season one, you know that Mark Claire was our very first guest on the series ever. So just want to give you guys kind of a treat. And for those of you that are just tuning in, Mark Clare is the OG libertarian. Unless you <laughs> came in when Bill Weld was coming, which is basically I was throwback say, I to I heard that episode. was Bill Weld, but I don't well, know. I'm not sure which of us was around first. Y- you know, this is by the time this is coming out, it's already 2017. I think we need to come up with a name for Bill that doesn't explicitly say him because I don't want to give him. The satisfaction of knowing that his name is still being said out there. Uh, we we need like his own version of Voldemort in a way. I got it. I got it. What? What you is it? Hear it? Do it. The Foji Libertarian. Holy shit! I just came up with that perfect. just now. That's on the fly, folks. I was not prepped for this at all. That's like divine providence. The Foji Libertarian. I think we've got it. It's down, Pat. 
It's I will never say the name. I'm not even going to say it now. Just from now on, the Foji Libertarian will know who you're talking about. It is written in stone. It's permanent. Outstanding. So, Mark, just going into this year, I'm always excited when one election ends and then we just have to kind of look at the aftermath. What inspires me are the number of let's call them baby libertarians that are out there. There are a lot of people that came into this recently. They saw the giant nonsense we saw for the last year and a half. They understand the ideas of individual autonomy, of limited government, of free markets. They want to get involved. And what I'm telling a lot of people that are contacting me about this is you don't need to just join a bunch of activists. You don't need to just join the Libertarian Party. It's about finding your own niche. I think everyone is good at something and when they find that thing they're good at once they really dive into it they go ahead and they do amazing things you did that with your podcast so just to give people kind of like a little backstory you know the mark claire origin story what kind of inspired you to get involved in all this and what made you eventually do a podcast sure well i I could spend probably an hour just just going through my my history of uh libertarian thought but i'll try to give the uh, the elevator speech version here but uh i mean essentially i had been reading the writing of ron paul uh since the early 2000s not to age myself too much but uh, a good friend of mine who's a contributor to our show now howie snowden he was a friend of mine in college and he actually uh was a congressional page uh in congress in high school and he actually met ron paul he would tell me about this guy ron paul he wasn't he didn't work for ron Paul, but he got to know him and he would sometimes go hang out in his office and then talk about liberty. And I was just blown away by this guy, by my friend saying that he used to talk to this congressman. I just thought that was so, so interesting and, and weird. Like I always picture congressmen on this, this totally different level than regular people. And yet here was my friend who actually like had talked to this guy and, and he sent me his column, his Texas straight talk column. And I just started reading that. And, and that was the first thing that really got me thinking about things in a different way. Cause even though he had that R next to his name, uh, he would always really look at things through the, uh, the concept of individual rights, not through a, the, the, uh, Democrat prism or the Republican prism, like every other politician out there. He actually seemed to criticize Republicans even, which I couldn't believe coming from a Republican. So he's, that's what really got me down that path, you know, thinking about things differently, thinking about things uh, through individual rights as as opposed to through a left right or a a de- Republican Democrat spectrum. And and over time, that, of course, led me to think about things differently. I wasn't very hyper political um, for a long time until, of course, uh, Ron Paul announced he was running for president in 2007, at which point I said, wait a minute. And now this guy's running for president. You got to be kidding me. Too bad it's never going to go anywhere. Uh, but it did tend to go somewhere, even though he didn't become president. I think it actually exceeded my wildest expectations because he really did launch a movement. And and that's something I certainly got sucked up in. And I pulled some friends along with me. So um, I started to influence some of the people around me, some people that I was good friends with from back in my college days. And uh, at some point now we all, we all went to Penn state. So that's where the lion comes from. And at one point we just decided, you know, we were sending all these emails back and forth. We were having a lot of conversations. So one of us just said, why don't we put up a website and put some of these conversations out there? So that's all lions of Liberty.com was at first. It was really just our blog site. Um, I had never really even thought that it would turn into a podcast. And and now that's primarily what it is we do. But uh, that really did the podcast part just came about because I started listening to podcasts. I list, I, it became my primary form of entertainment. Um, and and I, whenever, whether I was out 
walking my dogs for an hour or two. I've got, I have got Huskies. They need a lot of exercise or whether I was just doing chores. I, I found myself always listening to podcasts all the time. Uh, so it only seemed natural to me. And, and, and at this time there really weren't libertarian podcasts. I, and there were some, I think Cato had a podcast. Maybe Lou Rockwell had been doing his show then, but there, I wasn't getting what I wanted from a libertarian podcast. Uh, that, I think that's the real thing that inspired me to, to start doing it on my own. Uh, this is even before, uh, I think myself and Tom Woods launched our shows around the same time, but this is before he had, he had show had really started going. So to me, I really wanted to create the show that I wanted to listen to. And I think that is the best way to look at a podcast, to figure out who you are, um, who similar people to you might be and make that show for them or for you, depending on how you want to look at it. And, and that's really how the ball got rolling. Exactly. And this is, this is kind of a weird time. It's like, we've kind of you know, had our through the looking glass moment. And for the, for the first time, at least that I can remember, people actually know what a libertarian is. There are a lot more people now that identify as libertarians than there were in, let's say, um, 2012, 2013, when I started getting into it, especially 2008, when you were getting into it. I mean, did, did, did you kind of feel like you were speaking in a vacuum? Like, were you just kind of reaching out there saying, I really hope someone is interested in my content? What was it like back then? Yeah. I mean, we didn't actually start our website until like 2011, but I mean, even at at first, my my first form of activism at the time, this is really going to age me is I would post Ron Paul videos on MySpace. (laughs) I don't know if you remember that website. Yeah. But, um, is that like Robocop's Detroit right now? Uh, basically, yeah, <laughs> you pretty much summed it up. <laughs> yeah. The, the precursor to Facebook, you might say all the kids were on, on MySpace in the, uh, the mid two thousands, I guess. And, uh, that was really all I did. I, I mean, there were so many Ron Paul videos at the time, whether it was old speeches, people were posting, uh, clips of him skewering Rudy Giuliani at a debate. I would just post this stuff. And most people thought I was crazy, but some people actually responded positively. And, and, and then one of those was Brian McWilliams, a good friend of mine. So I, I realized then maybe I had a kindred spirit with him and, and I, I started to realize I can actually influence people myself over time. I don't need to just show people a Ron Paul video. I have thoughts. I, I have done a lot of reading. I've put a lot of thought into this. I have a voice too. And I think that's what led to our writing and, and what eventually led to the podcast. You know, the, 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 the at some point you have to do more than just point people to a 1000 page uh, tome. You can't just tell everyone to go read man economy and state. You can't even just tell any, everyone to go watch these thousand Ron Paul videos. You have to develop your own voice. Uh, you have to have your own ideas and your own way of explaining things. And um, I can't even say I fully had that before I started the podcast, but uh, in many ways, doing the podcast and forcing myself to, to have that voice is what gave me the voice is what helped me develop the voice. Um, because, because I didn't know what was going to happen when I turned on that microphone one day. And, and if you guys go and listen to episode one of lions of Liberty, you're not going to hear a smooth program because I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I had no clue. I pressed record and started talking. Um, but over time by forcing yourself to do it, you develop a voice, uh, you start to refine the process. You start to figure out what works and what doesn't. And, you know, that it pretty much goes from there. You're, you're never going to have it all figured out before you start. And most likely you're going to have nothing or hardly anything figured out before you start. Luckily, there are a lot of resources uh, people can use to learn from. And a lot of people like myself who went through, went through the process and went through the hard times that can give people advice about it. But at the end of the day, you're not going to you're not going to learn any better way than by doing Exactly. Mark, we're going to go ahead and take our first commercial break. But before we do that, I just want to give a quick shout out to our affiliate sponsors, Libertarian Country. Folks, it's that time of year where 
you kind of got like, let's say if you're like me, maybe you got socks for Christmas or something. Maybe you got some stuff from people that you're just like, oh, thank you. But you want to go sell it or return it and maybe get something that you really want. Well, let me tell you, Libertarian Country is probably the one of the coolest libertarian outfitters out there. I recently got um, the Statue of Liberty holding an M16. It's just straight up Liberty Gangster. Go ahead and check them out. And if you want to help support the show, go ahead and check out our sponsors tab at www.remsorepublic.com. And each time you make a, a purchase using our affiliate link through Libertarian Country, a little bit comes back and helps the show. It helps us get great guests and great content, helps me spend more time investing in awesome things for the show. Instead of going out and finding sponsors, go ahead and check out libertariancountry.com. If you want to check out the show, check out our support tab on remsorepublic.com. Give us one minute, and we'll be right back right after this commercial break. The voice of the Liberty Generation, Bremzo W. Martinez. Take the show on the go by subscribing to the Bremzo Republic on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and YouTube. Don't be left out. What are they teaching our children these days? How can so many young people graduate and become socialists? Do they even know what socialism is? Kids are learning how to preserve the environment, or are they learning how to preserve their own liberty? How about introducing your children to, I don't know, these fundamental principles that helped create the greatest, most prosperous nation in the world? I don't know about you, but when I become a parent, I'm going to read my kids The Chronicles of Kibblestan by Andrea Rand. A little bit of Narnia, a little bit of Atlas Shrugged, kids are loving this exciting saga about a fantastical land struggle to be free. Filled with humor and suspense, Kibble Stand is a treat for any kid, or even adults, I mean I enjoyed reading it, it's for anyone that enjoys reading fantasy. But also, it has the added bonus of introducing some basic principles of liberty as it constantly ponders the question. What does it take for a land to stay free? There's even questions at the end of each book to facilitate conversation with your children, including a student group or a book club. The Chronicles of Kibblestan by Andrea Rand is currently available on Amazon.com, or you can visit www.kibblestan.com. Liberty is worth preserving. Are you in? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. We have Mark Clare from the Lions of Liberty. So, Mark, I've got kind of an announcement for you. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's hear it. Okay. So just like you kind of inspired me to kind of go on my own and kind of start this, let's just call this this little project here and there, the Remsar Republic, you became a podcast grandfather recently. I did? Yeah. Apparently, there was a <laughs> listener of this show that was like, I like what you're doing. If you can do it, anyone can do it. So I'm going to do it. <laughs> a high compliment. Yeah, it was kind of like a backhanded compliment. I was like, what, what the hell? If this can pull it off. Yeah, it's like if that loser can make something that sounds like a quality program, obviously anyone can do it. And I was like, uh, what? 
I mean, I was flattered because, you know, imitation's the most sincere form of flattery. But at the same time, I was like, oh, oh this will be interesting. This will be interesting. And um, th- this guy's cool. I'm going to let I'm going to announce it later on in the season. Let's just see how things work out. But, you know, I, I actually got a chance to sit down with him, grab some coffee. And um, I just kind of gave him the lay of the land. Now, over the last couple of years, we've seen just I, I think I think it goes this way. Libertarians and socialists and maybe the alt-right, they own a large share of the conversation online. And there are so many libertarian podcasts out there. It's just it's just insane. When I started listening to your show, it was you, Freedom Report. I hadn't even learned about Tom Woods until like 2014. And um, I think that when was you heard it. him on Lions of Liberty. Exactly. Exactly. That was that was probably it. I'm joking, but that is so mind blowing that someone can hear about Tom Woods from me. Like that seems ridiculous. Like it should, it should go the other way around. And it, 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 I mean, it has gone the other way around because uh, Tom was nice enough to air uh, a show of that an interview that I did with him on his show, and that was a huge boon uh, to our program as well. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. So one of the things I just told him out just outright was, man, I just want you to know it's gonna be kind of tough because you're going into a pretty saturated market as it is in terms of like entertainment and news and politics. So I'm just curious going into 2017, kind of looking through that looking glass again, do you think that libertarians are just going to like implode in a way? And there's just going to be like thousands and millions of little libertarian podcasts taking a little bit from there, a little bit from there. And it's just going to become so boring that people just kind of tune out. Or are you excited because you think we're going to just turn into our own libertarian Fox news? I mean, where, where do you see the future in terms of just libertarian podcasting and media in general? I do think that, uh, yeah, I think things are going on the upswing. I mean, just looking at our own podcast numbers, they've gone on the upswing uh, during the election time. And even here post after the election, our, our numbers are, are steadily climbing. And uh, I think that that people are thirsting for new ideas. I don't think this election has shut people down from politics. I think, if anything, maybe one silver lining of, of a Donald Trump presidency is more people focused on the presidency, on the power of the presidency, on uh, the power of government overall. And I think this really continues to give libertarians an opening to come in and, and provide some solutions, provide a different perspective for people. And I think it is, it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword though, when we're talking about the podcasting thing, because yeah, it's great that we all have this ability. Like anybody can just up and decide tomorrow they want to start a podcast and they can get it on iTunes, get it on Stitcher. But, uh, you're right that to say that there, there is the, I guess, um, the concern of oversaturation, you know, at some point there's going to be 1000 libertarian podcasts maybe. So how are people going to find, uh, the quality ones or the good ones or the right ones? I mean, then there's no right or wrong answer there. Um, so yeah, but, but I think overall the, the good outweighs the bad and, and it's not a bad thing that, that people can and have their own voice that people can start their own show. Not everybody's going to have the, the say the highest quality production. I mean, our show doesn't have the highest quality production it could have. Uh, I think we do a pretty good job, but you know, we, I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to build a, a sound studio. Uh, you know, I, that's, I'm not putting that kind of money into it. I do take certain steps to make sure the quality is at a certain level as you do as well, but everyone's going to be on a different level. And unless, you, unless you've got hundreds of thousands of dollars to produ- produce the most professional sounding program that anyone's ever heard. Um, but I, I think the fact that we have the ability to do this and the 
the fact that there are people that have out there that have been setting the example on on how to do it and how to gain traction with people, I think it's only a good thing. And I think more Liberty Voices out there, no matter if you get 10 downloads or 1 million, even 10 downloads is 10 human beings that have listened to your show and are maybe now thinking about things a little bit differently. So uh, I, I think it's a wonderful thing overall. Uh, that we're not shut out anymore. They can't shut us out anymore. It used to be to get your political voice out there. You had to go convince clear channel to let you have a show <laughs> and, or you had to go convince Fox news or whoever to let you have a show uh, cause they basically controlled all the outlets that people watch and listen to. And that's just no longer the case. Cable ratings are just dropping nose diving uh, and podcasting is still very young. It's exploding. But I think even as recently as last year, only something like 20 or 25% of people had even heard of a podcast or even really understood what that was. So even though people like us uh, are listening to podcasts all the time, there's still uh, so much room to grow as more and more people abandon the traditional methods and turn to alternatives. And once people realize how easy it is to go on your phone and click subscribe to a podcast. I think, I mean, I can't tell you the last time I, I, I watched cable news or listened to the radio. It's been years, literally years, because why would I, why would I, when I can open up an app on my phone and have such a great variety of honest voices of, of true voices that aren't really compromised by whatever corporate sponsors Fox news has that day. Yeah. Besides we all just want that Stapleton money. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's where I was really going with this. Yeah, really. But no, you bring up a good. Uh, it's true, point. though. I mean, there are different there are different paths to success. Exactly. Um, and then different ways to measure success. When you're somebody like Jason Stapleton, who is extremely knowledgeable, extremely talented, and 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 built his own success prior to even the idea of launching his own show, and he was able to really build it quickly by putting so much money into it. I don't have the kind of money Jason has to put into it. So there are different, there are different tactics that a show like me is going to use. I'm not going to use the same strategies Jason Stapleton used, and I'm not even going to use the strat- same strategies that Tom Woods used because Tom Woods, he might not have the extreme money advantage that Jason had. I'm sure he's been successful in, in many uh, aspects uh, of his career, but he had a different advantage. Tom had the name recognition advantage because he had built, built up his name uh, through many, many books through becoming a, a New York times bestselling author. And a lot of people knew who Tom Woods before his show started. Um, when it comes to Lions of Liberty, nobody nobody heard of us. Nobody knew who Mark Claire was when I put this thing out. So uh, I, I had to take a much more different, much more organic, and then much more kind of hitting the pavement path to, to grow in the show. Exactly. And I'm, I'm glad we brought up Tom and Jason. Those are two examples of people that when once you kind of get into the weeds of what we're all about, those are kind of like the pillars of, of the best communicators of Liberty out there for a while. It was just like John Stossel on Fox. And the the great thing about Donald Trump being president is that he kind of showed the media as what they are. But at the same time, I think conservatives kind of exposed themselves because I think what we had a lot of on the right wing was we had kind of like a pundit complex. We had a lot of people that were really popular. No one really knows why, but, you know, your Sean Hannity's, your uh, Laura Ingram's, your um, I'm trying to think of the crazy chick that worships Trump, kind of like a North Korean dictator. Oh, what's her name? Ann Coulter. We have Coulter. Kind of, yeah, yeah, we have kind of these people out there that were kind of just riling everyone up. And now they've just kind of imploded because it's like you what 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 do you do again? Well, what have you done for the conservative movement? What have you done for the country again? I think a lot of them have been exposed, and even though a lot of people on the right are kind of celebrating everything happened since Republicans control every facet of government now, 
I think a lot of pundits have just kind of like dissipated. But what's great is that libertarians, we grew in recognition this time. So they actually have more and more people. And I have people on the right and the left that know who Jason is now. That, right. that was not the case even a year ago. I, I think that this will be great. And there are a lot of people in the liberty movement that are, are intentionally trying to set themselves up as kind of like the libertarian Steven Crowder or the libertarian whatever. So I think one of the biggest things that I've taken from this is that as we move forward as a movement, we can't lose quality in exchange for flash. So no, absolutely. Yeah. And, and that's the other thing. I mean, everybody can't, you don't want to try to be the, the libertarian Steven Crowder or the libertarian Rush Limbaugh. You want to be the, I don't even care if you put the label libertarian on front of it, but the first you, you know, I exactly. want to be the first Mark Claire. You want to be the first Remzo Martinez. You know, we don't need to, I mean, other people have set good examples in many ways. And of course, anything we do, we're going to pull some things from what we see working for other people and, and sort of build on that. But at the end of the day, it's really, you're, you're going to build a, a following. You're going to build fans because you became your own voice, not because you did a great impersonation of somebody else. Exactly. Exactly. I think the one thing that that people need to give millennials more credit for this independent voting block, which is rising, we can spot the phonies. And I think that's one reason why Hillary Clinton did so poorly in 2016. She did not get that millennial vote. I mean, don't get me wrong. She got more than like Trump did in terms of voter turnout. But she was not Obama 2008. She wasn't Reagan 1980 by any way, shape, or form, because even Democrats who loved her, just loved her, knew that she was crooked and that what you saw was not what was really there. Yeah, I knew I knew very few actual enthusiastic Hillary supporters. I knew very many an- enthusiastic anti-Donald Trump people who wanted to support Hillary, but that's a different thing. And and the reason Trump won, I mean, the biggest difference I see here on the surface, Trump had an enthusiastic base that really wanted him to be president. Uh, Hillary had an enthusiastic base that really didn't want Donald Trump to be president. But you see the difference there. It, one's coming from a positive and the other is coming from a negative. Hillary, and I think, if you, I don't know if Bernie, everyone says Bernie definitely would have won. I'm not entirely convinced of that, but... Uh, I think people would have been excited to go vote for Bernie of people of that sort of you know belief system, whereas no no one's excited to vote for Hillary. I mean, come on. Even even females I know who just really wanted to see a first woman president, they're kind of like, I, I guess I wish it didn't have to be her, but it, it is. So I guess I'll vote for her. You know, the the the, the lack of enthusiasm was just um, incredible. True, true. Mark, we're going to go ahead and take our final commercial break. Folks, hang on tight. We'll be back right after this commercial break. You're listening to the Ramsey Republic. Hello, my name is Alex Merced, and a great way to promote the libertarian message is through libertarian media, blogs, podcasts, videos. At libertarianwingmedia.com, it's an open-door policy for any libertarian who would like to contribute. So just email me at alexmerced at alexmerced.com, and I'll set you up as an author. At libertariansocial.com, you can have a profile, create groups, become friends with other members, message other members, and post blogs. 
at libertarian101.com, you'll find several videos on pretty much any question you can think of and any issue libertarian. So check those out and make sure to subscribe to great libertarian podcasts, such as the Alex Merced cast, the Johnny Rocket Launchpad, Lions of Liberty, and the Remzo Republic. Thank you very much. Folks, welcome back to the show. This is a time of celebration as we come into a new year, as we look forward to all the amazing things that are going to come about in 2017. But sometimes, old isn't bad. Just because something's been done doesn't mean it's dead. Which is why I'm bringing back a fan favorite, Political Word Association from Hell. <laughs> Mark, the rules are very simple. I'm going to say a word. You say the first thing that pops into your mind. As we keep going, I'm going to get a little faster. The words might get a little bit trickier. If you mumble, fumble, fall, go brain dead, you lose. But if you keep going, you win the ultimate Remster Republic no prize, which is ultimate bragging rights. So, Mark, are you ready? I am tepidly ready. <laughs> Let's begin. Chris Kyle. Uh, loser. Chris Christie. Big fat loser. Rand Paul. Uh, kind of a dork. Newt Gingrich. A bigger dork. George Bush. (laughs) Oh, he's become so lovable. I'm not going to lie if you take away all the memories of all his bad policies. Alex Jones. Ah, New World Order. Baseball. Uh, Home run. Johnny Rocket. (laughs) Cigarettes. Podcast. (laughs) Johnny Rocket. Bitcoin. (laughs) Uh, Scam. iPhone. Um, My best friend. Agorism. Oh, distraction. Distraction. Democratic Socialism. Scary. Steve Bannon. Intriguing. Kellyanne Conway. Surprisingly sexy. John Bolton. The scariest man alive. Jeff Sessions. The second scariest man alive. Melania Trump. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. Sexy. Michelle Obama. Not sexy. Arizona. Scary. Brexit. (laughs) Awesome. Cal exit. Uh, Not as exciting as Brexit. Potentially scary as well. And finally, Harambe. (laughs) I got nothing on Harambe. I I lose on Harambe. (laughs) I think, you know, I'm Harambe out, bro. You you know who ultimately loses? Harambe. That's who loses. God rest your soul, sweet prince, wherever you are. That was tough, especially because I can't explain (laughs) any of my answers. That's the whole point, right? Yeah, exactly. Actually, we've got a few minutes. What's one word that just. Like you want, you just said one thing, but you kind of want to go on a tirade on. What, what's one of them? Oh, let's see here. Uh, you know, I, the Steve Bannon thing I, I find really interesting because um, when you actually look into the guy a little further, like, I, like I'm not saying I think he's maybe a good guy even or anything, but it, it does seem that the, the the smears that have been put out about him are kind of ridiculous. I mean, the, basically, the, the the general idea is if anything that is non PC was put on Breitbart, that means that Steve Bannon is a, a, um, you know, anti-Semitic racist or whatever. And I think that's, this is the, the tactic of the left that they just spent like a year using against Donald Trump. And now they're going to use it against everybody he brings in. I really think people, 
on the left or wherever they're coming from, they got to give this shit up, this identity politics shit. You need to focus on ideas, but these guys don't have ideas. They have ideas, but they don't have philosophy. They don't base their thoughts in reason. So all they have is, is petulant flouting. I mean, Jeff Sessions, like went after the KKK, you know, he doesn't seem like anybody you could call a racist any more than you might say any 70 plus year old man in America might have some sort of latent racist thoughts, uh, simply because of the time they grew up in. But I mean, the fact that they're just using this smear on everybody, I think is, is just patently absurd. And I mean, there's plenty of reasons I don't like Jeff Sessions. Uh, they're more about my fears of how he'll attack, um, the marijuana legalization and how, uh, he might try to ramp back up the war on drugs that we've been so successful in, in starting to wind down. But when everyone just yells racist, 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 especially when there's so many legitimate criticisms to bring on these guys, I mean, it's just not going to get them anywhere. Uh, Steve Bannon, I actually read this huge, huge talk that he gave in 2014, um, and it's really, really interesting. Um, The guy is a very complex person. He really does have uh, an interesting view of the world, and I I think – we're all missing out on, on a legitimate conversation that could be had about his views simply because of all, all the nonsense and noise that, that surrounds it. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I mean, when it comes to Jeff Sessions, I think the most racist thing that someone has gotten him to come out and say, yeah, I did it was when he referred to a black guy as boy. I mean, I lived in Alabama. That's just, that's just something that's there. It's not even inherently racist. And it's just, I, I mean, come on. I know so many white liberals who have said a black joke. Let ye who has not cast a black joke throw the first racist stone. There you go. Exactly. And look, I, I, I was raised Jewish. I can't tell you how many anti-Semitic remarks and jokes I've heard from people I know on all sides of the spectrum, even just in regular life, non-political. And then people don't realize I'm Jewish because I don't look Jewish and I'm not really that religious, but I hear the stuff all the time and I know it's out there and I I don't even, and I'm not even upset about it. I don't think most of it is even, even ill spirited. It's usually, usually racist or anti-Semitic. I wouldn't even call them anti-Semitic racist, Jewish jokes, stuff like that. Most of them to me, they, they're, they're making fun of stereotypes. Like I can see the humor in a lot of this stuff. You know, we don't need, we can, we can be for the rights of every race and religion and still have a little fun sometimes because we don't, we do live in a complex world. We live in a world where people have a lot of different views, many of them negative. So I think it's wonderful to make fun of that. You know, and I, I don't even get offended by these jokes, but, but to act like the left or whoever is this, this, you know, this very, uh, you know, respectful culture who would never make fun of anybody's race or religion. Well, that's fucking bullshit. And you might need to edit that. I don't oh, know. No, we're keeping that in. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll say it again. That is fucking fucking bullshit. <laughs> Wake up people. You need to have better arguments than that, especially when I know that behind closed doors you guys are saying probably worse shit than you're accusing Steve Bannon of vaguely maybe having been associated with by being a part of Breitbart. It's just stupid. Yeah, and and we're going to wrap things up shortly, but to kind of like touch on Steve Bannon because I I can't leave this alone. Yeah, he, here's the thing about the alt right I've been discovering and I think you know, okay. For for listeners out there, I was I kind of looked through it. I was a lot harsher on the right than I was on Hillary. Here's the thing about Hillary. We already knew how terrible she was. That kleptomaniac and her freaking rapist husband. And I don't even know if Chelsea's like a human being or if she's a freaking host from Westworld. We already (laughs) know how terrible they are. We know that even though that mafia syndicate might be done politically, 
there are still many progressives out there. I stand by what I say when I say that that socialist preacher, Bernie Sanders, is one of the most violent people in America. But here's the thing about the alt-right. It's it's we don't we don't know how to define it, but we know it's dangerous. And Mark, I think you're right. I don't think that Steve Bannon is racist. I don't think he's anti-Semitic. I think actually he's one of the smartest people in the United States right now. But here's what scares me about Steve Bannon. He's trying to chisel out, and he he considers them imperfections. I think it's what makes the you know free market of ideas in the conservative movement you know what it is when you have libertarians and you have traditionalists and you have anti-communists and other p- people that have this more laissez-faire approach to government. Because I still think it's part of the GOP. I saw it when I when I was working on a Republican campaign recently. But Steve Bannon is trying to chisel away at at everything he considers a threat to his closed borders, to this ethnocentric type of idea of nationalism he's trying to bring in. And I think it would be wrong to say that many of these racists, these white supremacists in the alt-right, aren't a representation of Steve Bannon, because I don't think he shares many of their beliefs. But here's the thing. He's able to use their fear. He's able to use what is important to them in order to promote his goals. And I don't even know what they are yet. But the fact that he's willing to align himself with people like that, that have hatred in their hearts and malice towards many, I think that's why he's probably the most dangerous person in the United States. Interesting. I mean, and I'm still learning about the guy. Um, Yeah, I think you're totally right. I think more so than maybe being racist, he's not he doesn't care if someone is racist and supports him for that reason, or maybe might, might agree with him on certain things. I mean, he recently said, I'm, I am, I'm not a white nationalist. I'm a nationalist. And I believe him when he says that, uh, he's a nationalist who is white. (laughs) And, but a lot of people immediately equate nationalism with, with, you know, whiteism or what have you. And, and I don't think that's necessarily Steve Bannon's view. Even Uh, I think it's more cultural. I think he values Western culture. Um, and look, you can interpret any of that stuff as, as racist if you want to, but if you want to take it seriously, you need to more, I think more closely identify it for, for what it really is. And uh, I think a lot of even, uh, libertarian type folks might be not be nationalists, but they might see nationalism as a better alternative than forced globalism, for example. So, uh, I think this stuff is really nuanced. And, and I, I think, you know, again, when the left just shouts racism at everything, it, it, it just lowers the entire conversation and it prevents, it drowns out the legitimate criticisms of a guy like Steve Bannon or whatever policies Donald Trump might, might propose. I mean, I want to criticize Trump for like supporting torture and things like that. The left doesn't seem to care about that stuff, but they don't like that. He, you know, said something about Mexicans that, that Bill Clinton said the same thing, you know, 20 years earlier and it was fine. Exactly. Mark, to kind of wrap things up, for all those baby libertarians out there that want to go and carve out their own piece of the world and do something amazing for liberty, what's kind of like your your message, your testimony to them? What's one thing that you really want them to carry home? Do something that you love. Like, don't don't force yourself. I mean, if you don't like listening to podcasts, don't start a podcast, you know, uh, do something that you already love and, and, and let it come to you naturally. I mean, I, I didn't have a grand plan to start a podcast. I, I liked podcasts. I liked the concept of them. So I decided to start one and and I came to love it, but if I hated it, I wouldn't keep doing it. So you need to, it needs to be something you love. And that might be 
that might mean, you know, changing your strategies and changing course a bunch of times. And even with the podcast, I made it into more of something I love. I, I started off pretty uncomfortable doing interviews and uh, I always wanted to incorporate my friends and, and the other lines of Liberty. And that's what I've begun to do. And I think that that has really helped even more to, to have a team of people who I'm comfortable sitting there with and talking with. And it's really helped make the conversation flow more naturally. And I, I really do enjoy just sitting on and talking, talking politics for an hour with these guys. I mean, it, it's a blast and I, I love doing it. And I, I can't say I wouldn't want to do it, even if I didn't know that people were out there listening as I do know they are. So I think once you, once you find something you love and you can really, turn it into something you continue to love. I mean, that that's how you're going to be happy. And, and that's only going to drive you to, to keep working on it. Uh, so don't force yourself to do something you don't like. Don't think you have to start a podcast. You have to do a YouTube video. You don't have to do anything, but you know, try to think of something you already enjoy either consuming or doing, and just maybe push that in, in a different direction. Mark, if people want to listen to you and John Odermatt from Felony Fridays and catch up on everything Liberty oriented on the lines of liberty how can they do so oh there are so many ways you can of course find us everywhere you find podcasts itunes stitcher google play uh, there's all these other weird apps people use I, I can't name them all but if you search lions of liberty on any of them you should find us and of course you can find uh, everything we do over at lionsofliberty.com also on youtube youtube.com slash lions of liberty um you know you guys know how the internet works you can find us Mark Clare from the Lines of Liberty, thank you so much for coming on the program once again. It's always, always such an honor to have you on. Remzo, it's been a blast, and uh, I'm happy to be a, a proud grandfather soon, I guess. <laughs> More info to come on that soon, folks. Anyway, what what can you do right now? Well, of course, you can always leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can catch us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, all these excellent places, including Player FM, which we recently got on. Um producer ryan wants me to give a shout out to everyone listening in kansas city kansas so if you're a kansas city guy or gal what's up if you're a kansas city royal fan like myself hell yeah we'll never win a world series but anyway shout outs to my kansas brothers and sisters as always it's never too late to do the right thing go be awesome america you sexy beast as always i'm remso w martinez good night Stay connected to Liberty's Rabble Rouser on Facebook and Twitter to stay up to date with the latest episodes, blogs, and other available content. What are you waiting for?